Our second presentation is entitled, The Holy Spirit and the Unpardonable Sin. And let's ask for God's blessing to be upon us as we study his word one more time. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that you promised to send the Holy Spirit to be with us. And Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be here with us now as we look at the pages of your word. We pray, Lord, that the same Holy Spirit that inspired the Bible would inspire us tonight, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would touch our hearts, and that we would see how we can live in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, we ask and pray for your blessing to be upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a wealthy Indian businessman who decided that he wanted to buy his wife a birthday present. Good idea, right? Good thing to do. His wife told him, I turn only 44 once in my life. And so he thought he would get her something really nice. So he decided that he would buy her a plane. But it wasn't just any plane, friends. It was a $60 million luxury jet. Nice plane, huh? Nice, nice present. I wouldn't mind getting one of those myself for my next birthday. It had an office, it had a cabin with game consoles, it had music systems, it had a satellite television and wireless communication. There was a master bedroom, there was a bathroom with a range of showers, and there was a bar with mood lighting. It had it all. Now just for a little context, he lives in a home in Mumbai that's 27 stories tall and serviced by a staff of over 800 people. It costs them $1 billion. So he's no stranger to spending money. Money is not an issue to him. Now when his brother heard about this, he decided that he wanted to do something special for his wife as well for her birthday. And so he bought her a luxury yacht with the price tag of $80 million. Can you imagine, friends? $80 million on a yacht. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. But really, friends, it's not about how much or how little you spend on a gift. The best gifts are often the simple ones that come from the heart, out of a heart of love. They don't have to cost much, but they're given with a lot of love. Have you ever received a gift that was really special to you? I'm sure all of us probably have gotten a gift or time, a time or two in our life that we really appreciated and really enjoyed. Well, friends, God is really big on giving gifts. When Jesus left this earth, he went to heaven and he gave us a very precious gift. But just before he went to heaven, he told us about this gift that he would give us. It's found in the Gospel of John. In John 14, 15 and 16, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you for how long? Forever. Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Here Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent to the world and, and he describes how that gift would be received. In Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus expresses how willing God is to give us the Holy Spirit. He said this, he said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit 
to those who ask him. Friends, it's that simple. We just need to ask for the Holy Spirit. Amen. We need to believe God's promises. We need to ask that we will be filled with God's Spirit and that he will fill us with love and joy and peace. Friends, the Holy Spirit brings to us the personal presence of Jesus. This is the primary function of the Spirit of God. It's drawing us to Jesus. It's, it's, it's helping us to see God's character of love. The Holy Spirit has a special role in John chapter 16, verse 8. The Bible says, And when he has come, that is, the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. That's what Jesus said. And then five verses later, later in verse 13, Jesus said, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. Friends, that is a promise we can claim. Amen? For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So notice, the Spirit of God is the one that guides us into the truth. He's the one that convicts of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. It's the Holy Spirit that comes to us and he convicts us of sin. He helps us to see our need of a Savior. Have you, have you ever done something bad and uh, something sinful and you felt really bad about it? I think we've all been there a time or two at least in our life. Sometimes you do that bad thing, and the less bad you feel, uh, but that bad feeling, that unsettled feeling, comes because the Holy Spirit of God was convicting you. He convicts, and he helps us to see our great need of the Savior. But what happens when God speaks, and we fail to listen? In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So how can there be an unpardonable sin? Well, 1 John chapter 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, from all unrighteousness. In other words, if you can sin it, then God can forgive it. But friends, that should not embolden us to wander and mess around with sin. That shouldn't make us feel good or comfortable about sinning. But the Bible tells us that God is willing and able to forgive no matter what we've done in the past. Amen? That is good news. It's important for us to understand something about God. The Word of God tells us that God is love. The Bible tells us that God is also merciful and gracious and long-suffering. In Psalm 86, verse 5, David wrote, he said, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in mercy to all, who, all those who call upon you. The wonderful news, friends, is that God is ready and willing to forgive us when we fall into sin. But the question really is, are we ready to be forgiven? Jesus made the problem clear in John chapter 5, verse 40. He said, you are not willing to come to me that you might have life. Friends, God is willing to forgive, but the problem with many is that they are not willing to come to Jesus. They're not willing to come and ask 
for forgiveness, then they're not, they're not willing to repent of their sins. But it is the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. But he can't force us to open up. He can't force us to surrender to God. God values our freedom of choice too much to employ that, that terrible tactic that Satan uses of force. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to preach the gospel. This is recorded in Acts chapter 2 and onward. In Acts chapter 2, we, we see that, pre, that Peter was preaching his heart out. And Acts 2.37 describes this. It says, Now when they, that is the people, heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So here we see that as Peter is preaching, the Holy Spirit is convicting people. And that's what happens when God's word is preached, friends. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through the pages of God's word. He's speaking to our hearts. And we see here that these people were cut to the hearts. He told them to repent and to be baptized for the remission of sins. That is the forgiveness of sins. And then they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At baptism, we are publicly giving our lives to God. We're letting the whole world know that we love Jesus more than anything and more than anyone else. Amen? That is baptism. We are accepting Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We want to be fully committed followers to him. And the Holy Spirit is the one that works in our lives and guides us and empowers us uh, to be able to share the truth with others. Yet when we say to God, no, God, I'm not going to let you in right now. What we're doing is we're distancing ourselves from God. Jesus will then try again. He will try again. He'll knock at the door for a long time, friends. But continual rejection will grieve his Holy Spirit. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 tells us not to grieve the Spirit of God. It's a dangerous thing to grieve the Holy Spirit. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Friends, it's a dangerous thing to go against what God has revealed to you in his holy word. The only safe path is to follow what God has given. Amen? And when we go against it, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. If we know to do something, but we refuse to do it, we are sinning against God. And the more you refuse to obey, the more you will do it. And the more immune you will become to the Holy Spirit's promptings in your life. When we continue in sin, we eventually get to the place where we don't even care what God thinks. And when we go down that road, we're on our way to committing the unpardonable sin. If there are some things that we need to make right with Christ, friends, we need to do it now. Now is the only time that we have that we're guaranteed. We're alive at this moment and we can come to Christ now. Because, friends, we don't know how much time any of us have after tonight. If you could fast forward down to the end of your life, I'm sure that there, were, that there would be some things that you would like to make right. God advises us to make them right right now, tonight. He wants us to live each day 100% for him. 
Paul said to the Thessalonians, he said, don't quench the spirit. It's like the spirit warms us, like a flame that burns within us. And when we say no to God, no to God, no, we are quenching, we are quenching the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 2, 3 asks the question, it says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Notice it does not say if we reject so great salvation. Friends, you don't have to go to God and tell him to get lost in order for you to be lost. You can simply say, sounds like a good idea, but I'll wait. I'll just wait. I'll put it off. Maybe next month, maybe next year, maybe sometime down the road, I'll commit my life to Christ fully. How can we be saved if we neglect so great a salvation? The writer does not give us an answer because there isn't one. God doesn't, and, and we cannot be saved, friends, if we neglect his salvation. And tragically, friends, too many people think, I'll get saved, I'll be saved when I get around to doing it. Sometime down the road. Some time ago, there was a principal of a Christian high school, and he was trying to encourage a boy, he was trying to encourage a senior in their school to live connected with Jesus, to commit his life fully to Jesus. And he went to that boy and he said, come on, son, God wants better for you than that. He wants to do mighty things in your life. You need, but you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He explained to them what Jesus did for him on the cross, and he spoke to this young man's heart. The boy said, Pastor, I get what you're saying. I, I get it. I, I, know, I know what you're saying. I hear it, and I'll give my heart to Jesus, but just not yet. I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. I want to have, have some fun first. Well, he did, friends. He had fun for about six months, and then tragically, this young man passed away. Tragically, friends. Now, being that I'm not the Holy Spirit, I cannot tell you that the boy was definitively lost, but I can tell you that the boy refused to come to Christ, so therefore, you can make your own conclusions. He didn't say, I'm not interested. He didn't say, there's no God. He didn't burn his Bible in the streets or in his house. He just neglected the gift of salvation. The gift of salvation is offered, but it's not always on offer. There may come a time when there is nothing more that God can do for you if you reject his Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of God appeals and we continually say no to the Holy Spirit, we are on the pathway to committing the unpardonable sin. It is the Spirit of God that inspired the writing of the Bible. Do you guys believe that? The Holy Spirit inspired this book from beginning to end. And when we say no to the Word of God, we are saying no to the Holy Spirit. And that is a dangerous position to be in, friends. It's dangerous to reject God's Word because ultimately we are rejecting the Holy Spirit's. Romans chapter 8, 14 is an important verse that says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Friends, I pray that God will continually lead each one of us. I want you to know that I've been praying for you guys throughout the week. I hope that you pray for me too. And, um, and we can lift one another up to the Lord and pray that God will continue to guide us and grow us in these last days. Friends, we can pray to know God's will. 
But friends, the true child of God is the one who not only knows the will of God, but he's one that does the will of God. He wants to please the Lord. A lot of people are going to be lost who should have been saved. Many will be on the outside of the new Jerusalem looking in rather than being on the inside of the new Jerusalem looking out. Why? Well, because when the Holy Spirit was trying to lead them, they said, no, that's, that's, that's enough. I'm not going to go all the way with you, God. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to do my own thing. But remember, friends, the Bible tells us to love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Friends, he wants it all. He wants our loyalty. He wants you. Amen? He wants you. But when we say, no, no, I don't want that, God. I want to go my own way. Ultimately, God has no other choice but to say, okay. He honors our choice after he's done all that he can possibly do for us. In John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Again, friends, in the judgment, many will be lost simply because they neglected to surrender to God and to be led by his Holy Spirit. They will be lost because they loved darkness rather than the light. They will be lost because they loved their evil deeds, their evil pleasures of this life. Friends, the Bible talks about King David. It says that King David was a man after God's own heart, but at a point in his life, he reached an all-time low. He, he committed a grievous sin. He raped another man's wife. And King David knew that unless he repented, there would, be, there would come a time when God's spirit would be taken away from him. And that's why David prays this prayer in Psalm 51, 11. He says, Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He knew that without the Holy Spirit, he would be a lost man. He knew that he could not be in the presence of the living God. And so he came and he repented. And he mourned. He, he mourned for what he had done. He repented he, and he paid the consequences as well for that sin. Let's go back to the time now of Noah and the flood. God said to Noah, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 3. So what did God do? He warned the antediluvian world, that is the people before the flood. He warned them, having, he had Noah preach for 120 years. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But ultimately, it was just Noah and his family that got on that ark with the animals. And the Bible says that God shut the door of the ark. And there was still, when he had shut the door, there was still another week to come before the rain started to fall. But it was too late, friends. It was too late for anyone else to get on the ark. The door was closed. And now people on the outside were lost. And I'm sure when the rain started to fall, the people were freaking out. I'm sure that they were trying to bang on the doors, trying to get in to the ark. But friends, it was too late. God had given them 120 years to heed his warning messages. And God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. 
The unpardonable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not a certain type of sin. It's a condition in sin. When God calls us and we say no, we develop calluses around our hearts. We make it harder for the Spirit of God to get through to us. It's like we put, uh, it's like we put bricks in a wall until finally the last brick is put in the wall and we can't hear God's voice at all. When we shut out the voice of God that's calling us to repentance, we are committing the unpardonable sin. It could be anything. Whatever idol you hang on to that you won't yield to God, that for you could become the unpardonable sin. It's unpardonable because it's never confessed, friends. The unpardonable sin is a state of open rebellion in which the promptings of the Holy Spirit are at first ignored, then resisted and finally rejected totally until they are no longer perceived. It's unpardonable because you don't yield it to God and ask God to cleanse you from your sin and to pardon you from your iniquities and your misdeeds and your, the mistakes that you've made. Friends, the unpardonable sin is whatever, you, whatever idol you cherish in your hearts, enough to put it in the place of Christ. It isn't forgiven because it's not confessed. To continue to, to resist God is to refuse to yield to him. That's the unpardonable sin. Friends, God can forgive many sins. Amen. He can forgive, he can forgive all sins. He can forgive murder. Moses was a murderer. So was David. God can forgive worshiping graven images. Aaron made a golden calf, yet he, became, he, he ended up becoming the high priest of the Israelites. God, God can also forgive cursing. He forgave Peter because Peter had cursed. And ultimately, Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep. It might be a small thing, friends, but when the Spirit of God calls, it's imperative that we act. Amen? It's imperative that we act because that call will not last forever. If we continually reject it, there will come a point that we no longer hear his voice. It's like those people in the parable. Jesus says that he invited them to a feast. One said, I'd, I'd like to come, but I just bought some land. I, I can't come. The other said, I would like to come, but I just bought some oxen. I cannot come. The other said, I'd come, but I just got married. And we, and we read and were surprised because the king was inviting them to a feast, yet they rejected it. And we wonder, what were these people thinking? What was going on in their minds when they rejected going to the feast? And I wonder what the angels would think when they look down on each one of us and they see us with our Bibles in hand, reading the Word of God, yet we're saying, um, I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure about this. The angels must, must wonder because, they're, because God is inviting us to feast on his word, friends, to trust his word. In Jesus' day, everybody went, everybody wanted the Messiah to come. But when the Messiah actually showed up, he didn't look like what they expected. He didn't look like a warrior. He didn't, he didn't come to kick out the Romans like they had hoped for. They all said, um, I don't think that this is the Messiah that we actually want or we're looking for. And when he spoke about their sin and called them to repentance, they wanted to silence him. They wanted to kill him. I'd like to think that 
that some of those people repented, but we know that many of them did not. Jesus calls to us and he says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In the here and now, you can come to Christ. You can come to him right now. And yet sometimes we say, well, let me think about that. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll come to him tomorrow or, or the next week or, or the next month or the next year. Friends, I want to show you some examples of the pardonable sin, unpardonable sin happening in the Bible from, from the information that we're given in God's word, the, the, the two best instances that we can look at from what has been revealed to us. The first is in Acts chapter 24. It deals with a fellow whose name is Felix. And, and uh, it says, After some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Imagine that, friends. He calls the best preacher in the world at the time, and he said, All right, come over to my house and tell me everything you know about this Jesus. But what does the Bible say happens next? The Word of God says, Now as he, that is Paul, reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now, and when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Sadly, friends, from what's revealed in the Bible, the Bible makes no record of this man ever calling back for Paul to come to him. If, it, if he would have done that, I think it would have been written down. So from what we can tell, it seems as though he has committed, he committed the unpardonable sin at some point there in his life. You've heard the saying, strike when the iron is hot. And this is so true spiritually, friends. Sometimes when the word of God reveals things in our lives, we say, oh man, that's really inconvenient, God. Why did you have to point that out? That's not good timing in my life right now. Or we say, I'd love to, to follow God, but, but, but this is going on, or, or that's going on, and I have, I have plans, God. But what we often forget is that God knows, friends, and he calls you at exactly the right time. He may call you when you're doing well, earning lots of money, and it may be the most inconvenient thing that's ever happened to you, but it is probably the best thing that could ever happen to you, friends, because the call from Jesus is the best call you can get, amen? amen. Is to follow him. What in the world would we rather do than follow him? Our second example is King Agrippa. In Acts chapter 26, uh, verses 27 and 28, Paul said to Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. Friends, those are some of the most tragic words in all the Bible. Almost. He heard it. He was convicted. He knew the truth. He got it. He understood it. He had the opportunity. All he needed to do was wave the white flag and say, I surrender, God. I surrender my life to you. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Live in my heart. But friends, he would not do it. He didn't trust that God's way was better than his way. And from what scripture reveals to us, he will come up in the wrong resurrection, friends, the resurrection of the wicked. But he was almost persuaded, yet he was totally lost. 
from what God has revealed to us in Scripture. God calls us to follow him, friends. He gives us every opportunity to do so. It's the best thing that we can do with our lives is to commit our lives completely to Christ. Now the, now the question is, now what happens when you're a Christian and you, read, and you read the Bible and you love God and God says, I have more for you? Well, the tendency is to say, well, I love you, Lord, but I'm doing okay right now. Everything is, is okay and, and I'm, I'm good. The tendency is to say, I'm comfortable. What will people say if I make a switch? What will happen if I make a change to follow you in the truth that you revealed to me? That's the tendency we have in our lives. So what is God's will for us today? God's will is that we press forward in faith. Amen? God's will is that we press forward in truth, that we follow his word, and that we don't go backwards in our faith with God. He doesn't want us to just stop here, but he wants us to keep pressing forward, to keep advancing until the day that he comes. That is God's will, friends. That is God's purpose and God's plan for each of our lives. I'd like to share a story with, with you here in closing of a very heroic person. His name was Terry Fox. He was a, a young Canadian, and as a teenager, he was active. He played soccer, rugby, he played baseball and basketball. He was very active and athletic sort of kid. But he was in an accident one day, and after the accident, he noticed that there was still pain in his leg. The doctor told him, Terry, this is osteosarcoma cancer. And unfortunately, they had to amputate his leg. And he was just a teenager with the rest of his life ahead of him. But three weeks after they amputated his leg, Terry was walking again with a rudimentary prosthetic. And he was walking well. It was amazing to see the progress he was making. And then eventually, he ran a marathon. And then in April of 1980, Terry Fox began the Marathon of Hope. He went to St. John's in New uh, Finland and was going to run across Canada, a total of 5,000 miles. It was incredibly tough, but he ran the equivalent of a marathon a day. Whew. Can you imagine, friends? A marathon a day. I, I have not done a marathon in my life. He was doing a marathon in a day day after day, and he did it because he was raising money to fight cancer. And he became a national hero in Canada after a rather slow and anonymous start, and he ran for 143 days. Can you believe it? 143 days. Finally, he made it about halfway. He made it to Thunder Bay, Canada, and sadly, that's when they discovered that his cancer had returned. Running, uh, running all the way to the Pacific was now impossible. He'd made it 3,000, three and a half thousand miles. He ran for others. He ran a marathon a day. But how did he do it, friends? He did it one step at a time. He did it one step at a time. One uncomfortable step, sometimes a painful step at a time. And he just kept pressing Forward, And as he pressed forward, he was able to do something truly heroic. Now, friends, tonight I believe with all my heart that God is calling each and every one of us. He's, he's calling us and he's calling us to say, move forward with me one step at a time. 
It may seem like one painful step at a time. Sometimes the word of God cuts at us. It cuts out that sin that, that we love. But God wants us to move forward with him one step at a time, to go forward with Christ. My appeal to you this evening is how many of you want to continue to go forward with Christ one step at a time? Is that your desire tonight? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together that God will help us to go in step with him. Father in heaven, Lord, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit has worked on our hearts, that you've brought us to this point in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would continue that work that you've started in us, Lord, that we would walk in the light as you are in the light. Lord, as you reveal truth to us, Lord, help us to walk in that truth. Help us to walk in that light. Help us, Lord, to shine our lights bright for you in this dark world. Lord, help us to be a blessing to others that we come in contact with. Lord, help us to realize that the end is near, time is short, and that now is the time to commit our lives to you. Lord, if there's someone here tonight that hasn't made that decision, Lord, I pray that, that you would touch their hearts just now, Lord, that they would make a full commitment to you, that they would realize, Lord, that you are calling them, Lord, that you're calling them out from the, from the ways of this world, Lord. You're calling them out of sin and you're calling them into righteousness. I pray, Lord, that you would work mightily in our lives, Lord. We pray, Lord, for our family members, too, Lord, that you would continue to work for them, Lord. Maybe some have grown up in the church. Maybe some are now not walking with you, Lord. I pray that you would please reach them, Lord, that you would continue to do all that you can do to reach them. Lord, we know that you can't force anyone, Lord, and we are grateful for that, Lord. But, Lord, we pray that you would do everything possible, to save our loved ones, Lord, to save our family, to save our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, Lord. Please help us to be a light to them, Lord. Help us to be an example of what it means to be a Christian, Lord, that we would follow closely in the path that you have blazed before us, Lord, and that people would look at us and they would know that we have been with you. That's our prayer, Lord. We pray that you would live in our hearts and help us, Lord, to love what you love and to hate which you hate. Lord, help us to listen to your Holy Spirit when you speak to us in that still small voice is our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.